And so before I get started, because I have a tendency to get ahead of myself, because if you don't know, I believe in having fun when I'm preaching. I'm going to have fun today. I don't know about you. I hope you came to the house of God to have fun. Because, hey, we are not at a funeral. We are at a celebration of resurrection. Because this is the Christmas season and we celebrate the baby Jesus, but he ain't a baby no more. He was a baby. He grew up. He lived a sinless life. He died a substitutionary death. He rose bodily. He ascended into the heavens. And now he's seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you and for me. He is the reason for the season. Amen? So we're going to have fun today. This is uh, the end of the Christmas season. That may be uh, 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 good news for you if you're one of those people that Christina talked about where this, this season may be a struggle for you. This season, you know, isn't it interesting that the holiday season is different for everybody? Depending upon what we've experienced, due to our experiences of the past has created an expectation for the future and affects our current experience. Isn't that interesting? Now, I'm going to stop right there because we got to pray because I don't want to get too far into my message right now because we're going to talk about this expectation. We're going to talk about your experience. So can we pray? Because I feel like God is doing something. I feel like this is a pivotal moment for a lot of people in this place. And I feel like the Lord wants to do something special. So if you didn't come with expectation today, get your hopes up right now. Start stirring up some expectation because I'm telling you by the spirit of God, God has something for you. And whether you receive it and whether you leave with it will be up to you, not up to me. Amen? Can we pray? Father, you're awesome. You're absolutely amazing. Holy Spirit, you are the spirit of truth that leads us and guides us into all truth, the truth that makes us free. It is the anointing of God that destroys the yoke, and we thank you for your anointing today. Breaking the yokes, breaking the bondages that are in our life, removing the blinders that are keeping us from seeing the, the light of your truth. And so we thank you as your truth goes forth. Holy Spirit, take this vessel, take this mouth, have your way today in Jesus' name. And all of God's children said, amen, amen, amen. Whoo, I feel good. Where are we, we going to go from there? Man. So we are at the end of the Christmas season, the end of the year, but we are also at the beginning of something. We are at the beginning of seven years of favor. God has given a word to our church that we are in seven years of favor, but I wanted to just address this real quickly and give some clarity because sometimes when you talk about the prophetic, not everyone understands what we're talking about. And so I just want to give some quick clarity of what we mean when we say that God has given our church a word and what that means for you. So what this is not is this is not a gimmick. Some of you may have thought this is a gimmick. This is something that Pastor Julian came up with or the staff has come up with to get us excited about coming to church and being a part of all that they want us to do. That's not what this is. The prophetic is simply saying, is simply a word, what God is saying that is going to happen. But guess what? 
it ain't going to happen for everybody. Let me say that again. It doesn't always happen for everybody because there are actually most of God's words are contingent upon something. So the word is contingent upon belief. The word is contingent upon belief. So if God has spoken a word over your life and you don't believe it, that word most likely will never. Now, there are some words where God says, I'm doing this, and this is just what I'm doing. It's in my sovereignty, and hey, you have no part to play. But most of God's words are contingent upon our belief. And so what do you do with the word of God? Because I know what I'm talking about. I have, I have spent years on a pursuit of coming into alignment I've been seeking alignment with my father. I pray for alignment. I'm praying for God to bring me in my alignment, our church into alignment, because alignment is required for receiving all that God has for you. And so I prayed every single day, literally every day, is Father, increase my vision. Increase my capacity to see all that you desire for me. I want to see what you see. I want to say what you say. I want to do what you do. I need to come into alignment with you. Every dream, every desire in my heart that is not of you, Lord, I curse it. I reject it by fire. I declare it will not live in my heart, but let my heart be full of your love. I can keep going, but I'm going to stop right there. I pray this over myself every single day. I'm praying to come into alignment. So how do you partner with God, come into alignment with his word so that his word can come to pass for you? Is, this is so key. It's confession. The word confession in the Bible simply just means to say the same thing, that what God is saying, you're saying. And so a lot of times we get a word or we hear a word and we're like, okay, and we do this. Oh, let me give you an example. So this is the word, breast spray. This is the word of God. God says this word. He speaks this word over you. You're like, oh, man, that is awesome. That is amazing. I really hope that happens. We put it in a pocket. This is how the proper way to respond to a word is what I just did. You put it in your mouth. I didn't even plan that. That just happened. That was just Holy Ghost right there. So you take the word of God and you put it in your mouth. I wonder how many words right now in our midst are in someone's pocket. God has spoken something over your life, and you're frustrated right now because it's not happening. And God is saying to you right now, it's not happening because you put it in your pocket. So pick it, take it out of your pocket, put it in your mouth, and begin to say what I've been saying over your life. Amen? I'm going to preach. Y'all can receive it or not, but I'm going to preach today. And so take the word of God. So what this looks like is that you've got to start saying, man, we are in seven years of faith. I'm, I'm proof. Got on some fresh J's, my first pair of J's, and I didn't even buy them because I wouldn't have bought them. Like, I'm one of those people that, man, I spend like $50 on shoes like, like, so I can get two pair. Like, I'm not spending over $100. Man, no, I'm like, uh-uh. I'm one of those like, people like Pastor Julian who said, hey, $100? Oh, no, no. So I got blessed with some J's. Uh, man, my wife, baby, stand up. She hates when I do this, so that's why I do it. And you wouldn't know it because she looks so good and slim and trim, but my wife is with child. My wife is with child, not of the Holy Spirit, but of me. There ain't no more immaculate conceptions. 
Yes, my wife is with our third child. We have three children now. We're going to have three children. My first child is Carissa. Her name is Carissa Grace. My second child is Justin Truth. And wait for it, my, second, my third child is Valentina Hope. My wife is, uh, is full-blood Mexican, and uh, therefore I'm half Mexican because we are one. And so <laughs> she said, baby, our, our first kids are Carissa and Justin. Like, you have to give me a, a, a Hispanic name. And so she was like, baby, how about if we name our daughter Valentina? Because uh, y'all like my accent? I'm working on it, working on it. She said, how about we name our, our, our daughter Valentina? My favorite hot sauce is, is, is <laughs> Valentina. How, how do you say it? What's, that? What's the hot sauce? Valentine? Valentina. And I said, baby, oh my goodness. Because we'd already gotten the word hope. I believe in a strong middle name, right? So grace, truth, hope. And so we already had the word hope. And she said, Valentina. And I was like, babe, we are not naming our daughter after a hot sauce. And I was kind of offended in my heart, if I'm honest. I was just like, man, my wife, she needs to get more spiritual. <laughs> and all of a sudden, one day, I'm just kind of thinking about it, and I felt like the Holy Spirit said, look it up. And so I did, Google. And Valentina, you may already know this, but it literally means strong. So her name is Strong Hope. My daughter's name is Abundance of Grace, Carissa Grace. My son's name is Justin Truth, Truth, uh, Righteous Truth, or Truth of Righteousness. And my third child will be Valentina Hope, Strong Hope. Y'all can give it up for that, or not. So, uh, we're going to talk about hope today. The title of my message is not a title. It's a multiple choice. So I'll go ahead and put it up on the screen. I am horrible at messages. I'm horrible at coming up with titles for messages. So I came up with five titles and you guys get to choose. Hope made for this. Tying it into to what we feel like God is saying. Second one, get your hope up. Third one, hijacked hope. Fourth one, great expectations. And then last one, your place of strength. So whatever you feel like best fits this message, you get to choose what your title is, and then they'll choose whatever title they want to put. What's up to our, our Oasis Online fam? Hope you guys are doing good. And so let's start off in Zechariah. Everybody say Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 12. Oh, and by the way, like I see, I'm working on seeing everything through grace. And so, like, I have a time limit. I don't have a whole lot of time, but actually, I'm seeing 10 minutes added to that because five is the number of grace. And I know what you're thinking. Hey, my math's not funny. Five is the number of grace, but I'm stepping into the double portion. That's why I got 10 extra minutes. So, but even with 10 minutes, we don't have a whole lot of time. So let's get into the word. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 12. Return to the stronghold. Woo! You prisoners of hope, even today I declare that I will restore double to you. Return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Biblical hope is an expectation. Biblical hope, when the Bible talks about hope, it's not like the world. The world's kind of mindset of hope is hope so, but you never know 
I really wish it were so, but you don't know, right? But in the Bible, when it talks about hope, it's a confidence. It's an expectation. So what it's saying here is return to the stronghold. What's the stronghold? Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower in the righteous, runs into it and are safe. So the Lord, he is our stronghold. So in his presence is our place of strength. So based upon that, what Zechariah is saying, return to God, which is your place of strength, and you will be bound by hope. You will be a prisoner of hope. So it marks where your position is by where your hope is. How many times do we feel like we're walking with God, but it's, not, but it's not demonstrated because we're living with no hope? Are you living with hope? Are you living with high expectation? You may be, are, 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 are you bound by hope? Are you living with high expectation? Or are you bracing yourself for the letdown? You've lowered your expectation to to even no expectation. Pastor Julian said this to me, or actually, uh, I think he was saying it to someone else, but I, I've, I've held on to it for, for all of this time, and I will speak it for the rest of my life. He said, don't, when, you, when you're dealing with disappointment, what we tend to do is we then manage, from that point on, we manage our expectations because of the disappointment. And he said, don't manage your expectations, manage your disappointments, and so I want to encourage you guys with that, that God is going to bring you back to the place of strength today. He's going to expose some things that you'll have to be honest about, and it will bring you back to that place of strength. And then you will begin to live with greater expectation, and then he's going to lead you through the process, ooh, excuse me, through the process of managing the disappointment and not the expectation. Everybody said Amen. So Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. I love this passage of Scripture here. It is, it is becoming one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing the tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Now we're going to go through this passage of Scripture, and I'm going to break it down piece by piece, and we're going to extract some things that I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying to us. This first part, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Just even in Luke chapter 2, verse 14, in the Christmas season, it says, what did the angels say? Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill, which is favor toward men. We have access by grace into this faith in which we stand into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Let me ask you this. When we struggle with hope, a lot of times 
It's because we're not taking advantage of the access that's been given to us. When we struggle to have faith, it's because we're not taking advantage of the access that's been granted to us by faith. And then through that, we receive this grace in which we stand. So prayer is powerful. Can I say that again? Prayer is powerful. But it is not so powerful that it can overcome a lack of God's word. Can I say amen? The word of God is so very powerful. But the word of God is not so powerful that it can overcome a lack of prayer. You see, they're both equally important, and when you actually incorporate both of them into your life, your time in the Word will change what you pray. And when you pray, it will change the time in God's Word. I know I'm speaking to somebody here, because some of you here that you may pray a lot, and you wonder why God's not doing anything, but man, you haven't, I would say cracked open your Bible, but does anybody do that anymore? Uh, some people still do. Bless you. I, I'm, I'm, hey, I'm a digital guy. But you haven't gotten into God's word in forever. And you struggle to get into God's word. And you're wondering why your prayers aren't happening. Get into God's word. Get into God's word. Take this next year and say, and this is, this is where you start. Ask God to give you a love for his word. Don't just get into God's word. Ask God to give you a love for his word. I'm telling you, this is the key. And I say this all the time, and, and very few people take me up on it. Ask God to give you a love for his word, all right? And if you're one of these people, and you get into the word, and, and you're in the word, and you can quote scripture, references, all that good stuff, but man, prayer, oh my goodness. Like, you just, you just don't really think it's that important. Because you, know, like, you know what God's word says. Why do I need to pray? I'm telling you. When you start praying, it'll change your time in the word. Because when you start praying, prayer opens the door to, to the Holy Spirit. And he will begin to work on your heart because actually the, just the accumulation of scriptural knowledge does not transform your heart. It's received with meekness the engrafted word which is able to transform your soul. And so if you're reading a lot of the word but you don't have meekness, and prayer is actually a demonstration of meekness. It's a demonstration of humility. It's a demonstration of, no, I don't got it. He's got me. He's got it. And so when you start to do that, it will change everything. And this ain't even my message. I'm getting off of my message. That was free. And so let's keep, let's keep moving on. And not only that, hold on, let me, let me give my, okay. So rejoice in hope of the glory of God. The glory of God is God's goodness. But... It's not an attachment on what that is. See, we don't get to describe what God's goodness is. See, sometimes we're, we're standing in grace and rejoicing in the hope of the goodness of God, and that goodness is the job, right? That goodness is more money. That goodness is the relationship. That goodness is a wife. That goodness is a husband. And we're standing and we're believing and we're rejoicing and we're getting discouraged. Am I talking to anybody here? You don't get to describe what the goodness is. The Bible says no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly before him. And so God knows exactly what you need. The glory of God, his goodness, is without attachment. 
And when we feel like we can attach it, we fall into the trap of the adversary. And when, we do, when it doesn't happen, we start to believe the lie that God doesn't love you and that God's not good. And so giving glory to the God, let's say giving glory to God in the midst of our circumstances is the mark of maturity. Let's, 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 let's move on from this, this, this passage here. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance, character and character, hope. So like I just said, giving glory to God in the midst of your circumstances. So we stand in grace and we're rejoicing in hope with expectation of God's goodness. Without attachment of what that goodness is, it will lead us to when it doesn't happen so what Paul says here, and not only that, but we glory in tribulations. Tribulation is when what you were hoping for, what you were believing for, what you were speaking doesn't happen. And what do you do then? Do you still give glory to God in those tribulations, in those disappointments, in those times where it seems like God is not moving, it seems like God is not good, do you still give him glory in that time? Because that is truly the mark of maturity for believers. Because I've got two kids. My daughter's five. My son is three. When I don't do what they want me to do, they throw a fit. I took a drink so you could think about that. Are you throwing a fit? What happens when God's not doing it? Are you pressing in or pulling back? Are you, what, last, last week? Are you still leaning in when it seems like God's not doing what you want him to do? Are you still leaning in or have you pulled back? Have you pulled back from God? Have you pulled back from people? Has your disappointment caused you to pull back from the church? Because actually, it's in the tribulation that's the test. It's one, the test of maturity, and then two, it's the test to see what you can handle, see if God can actually give you more. You gotta hear that. It's the test to see if you can handle, if you can handle God giving you what you're asking. So when God doesn't give it, and you don't give him glory, it just means you can't handle what you're asking for. I know this is tight. I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. I don't know why I say that. Because I'm your best friend right now. Because God is wanting to get you to a place, and he's actually wanting to open your eyes. And we're going to get there. But we got plenty of time, because I got 10 extra minutes. I'm just playing. So, doing that. So, it produces... Patience. Ooh, man. Anybody bristle? When I said that, tribulation produces perseverance. It produces patience. What's your relationship with patience? Let me, let me just go through kind of like our stages of maturity. Because actually, patience is the mark of maturity for a believer. In James, it says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing the testing of your faith produces that was your opportunity. Patience. Well, y'all don't even want to say the word. Like, hey, it might as well be a four-letter word. 
Any, any of y'all getting tired of waiting on God right now? You can be honest. You're in the perfect work of patience. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. That word perfect is fully mature. So how you respond to patience is really a mark of your maturity. I don't care how long you've been walking with God. I've, kn- I've known some, some believers that have been walking with God so long and they're still so immature because they don't have patience. And so when we can realize that, hey, how I deal with patience, my relationship with patience is really proof of my maturity. So the first step is your relationship with patience is you hate it. You don't want it. Don't even say it. I don't want to say it. I definitely don't want to pray for it. I've been told not to pray for it, so I'm not going to pray for it. That pastor wasn't your friend. He was actually your enemy. Ask God to help you with patience. So the second stage is you accept it, but you still don't like it, but you realize it's just a part of life. You have to have it. The other the the next stage is you appreciate it and you see it as the path of getting to what you really really want and then there's the next stage where you come to realize and this man lean in on this one it's not the path it's the prize let me say that again it's not the path it's the prize And it now becomes your pursuit. And why can I say it's the prize and not just the path? Because it's the fruit of his spirit. Patience is the proof that you're in relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because his fruit is a manifestation of your relationship. Let's let's just really, let's let's go into it. Galatians, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 25. But the fruit of the Spirit which is the fruit of the spirit. What is fruit? Fruit is when a seed is planted and it is germinated and it brings forth something, right? And so the fruit of our relationship, so the fruit of me and my wife is a child. We've had intimacy. And now there, I don't want to go into all the detail. A seed was planted and then now harvest. So, an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit, the, the byproduct are these things, right? It's not knowledge. Knowledge is easy. It's, it's these things. So, but the fruit of the Spirit, the proof of our relationship is love, joy, peace. Hey, y'all got it. Y'all got it. Hey, y'all are starting to say it now. Patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. That's the part of you that hates patience, hates all of these other things. With its passions and desires, if we are led by the Spirit, let us also keep in step. With the, that's, there is that alignment again. In step. See, y'all think I was just making that up. In step with the Spirit. That's alignment. So, you get to this place where this patience is not the path, it's the prize. It really, it is. It's not the thing that you're, because guess what? When God gives you the thing you're believing for, there's going to be another thing that you're believing for. And so, how do you deal when it's not happening? 
knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character Ooh, and character produces hope. Is Christ in us, which is the hope of glory. The greatest blessing God could ever give you is Christ-like character. The greatest gift that God ever gave you was the Holy Spirit of God. That's it. We're living the dream right now, people. I'm telling you, it's not the job. It's not the Calling, I love what Pastor Julian's been talking about. It's covenant, not calling. It's not your purpose. Your purpose was never meant to fulfill you. If you're looking for purpose to fulfill you, then you've missed the mark. You're out of alignment and you need to come back in. Because God was meant to fulfill you himself. He is your strong tower. He is your place of strength. And when you are with him and you need nothing but him, that's when hope is produced in your heart. And let's just keep going because we want to we talk about what do we do? No, no, let me, let me stop. Let me stop. I'm just about to get ahead of myself, but I'm not going to do it. So now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has given to us the greatest gift that we've ever received, the Holy Spirit. He was the exchange. Jesus said, it's good that I go away because if I don't go, the comforter, the helper won't come. And he's going to come. He's going to help you. He's going to help you do it all. He's going to lead you and guide you in all things. He's going to lead you and guide you in truth. And it's that truth that's going to make you free. That's the greatest gift. I'm telling you. And his fruit, oh, is the sweetness of your life. The fruit of the spirit is the sweetness of life. But right now we're like, oh, life would be so sweet if I met my boo. Life would be so sweet if I book the, the audition. Life will be so sweet if my money stops being funny and this bank account starts increasing. But it's only because we've attached love, joy, peace, patience. We've attached all of these things to other things, but they actually come from him. And so when you got him, you don't need these other things. And when you don't need these other things, God can give them to you. Now, I know y'all didn't hear that, but when you don't need these other things and all you need is him, then God can give you more because then they won't compete with him. So hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. True biblical hope, which is one hope. He is our hope. I love what that, the, the, the song said. He is our hope. And he never disappoints because it's rooted in his love. Now, a lot of times we attach what his love, the demonstration of his love is attached to the job. It's attached to the money. And if it's attached to anything other than what it says in Romans uh, 5 verse 8, God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This is the only proof that God needs for his love for you. But if you need any other thing as proof that he loves you, you're going to be let down. Because it, then it's just, it's this, this thing, it's, it's, it's an idolatrous desire. Because Psalms 23 says, the Lord, in the International Children's Bible, sometimes you got to be like a child, right? I love what it says here. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything that I need. 
The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything that I need. That is so powerful. And so this is what disappointment, how do you deal with the dip of disappointment? And what is disappointment showing you? Disappointment showing you is that when you have high expectations for something and it doesn't happen and then there's a deep dip, it's showing you it was a need and not a desire. See, God wants to fulfill your desires. He said, he said if you would delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. It says, if you abide in my words and my words abide in you, you'll ask whatever you desire and it will be done for you. And by this, my father is glorified. And by this, you so prove to be my disciples. God wants to meet your desires, but he doesn't want to meet any needs that you have other than him. And so when there's a deep dip, it just exposed a need for something other than him. That thing has now become shepherd. That thing has now become savior. If I only get more money, then I'll be good. If I only get this job, I'll be good. If I get the wife, the husband, if my boss stops tripping, the pastor stops tripping, my wife stops tripping, my kids stop tripping, oh, Lord. But no. Isaiah 43, 11 says, I, even I alone, am Lord. And besides me, there's no Savior. So if your hope is in something other than him to be Savior, then it's, the disappointment exposes that. And what do you do when that happens? This is how you get unstuck. Two things. You got to be humble and honest. And say, man, I'm really disappointed. This didn't happen, and I got, I'm mad at you. And what is that saying? I was actually needing this and not you. Because I still got you. I still got you. You're like, I know what y'all thinking. Man, I thought you were going to bring a Christmas message. <laughs> this is. This is the greatest gift you ever received. Because if you can learn how to, to deal with the dip, if you can learn how to deal with disappointments, then the adversary can never get you out of position again. Because some of you, the adversary has gotten you out of position. He's gotten you out of alignment. He's gotten you offended. Offended at people, offended at God. And you're dealing with the dip right now and you don't know how to get out. And one, you don't even realize you're in it. But if, if you can realize and say, you know what, Lord? I was needing, I was needing them to change. I was needing this to happen. I was needing them to stay. I was needing them to go. So being honest, Mark chapter nine, we're, we're gonna wrap up and uh, man, where's the worship team? Y'all come on up. I was just joking about the 10 minutes. I mean, there was, <laughs> we'll do that next service. I'm just playing. I love this scripture right here, Mark chapter 9, verse 21 through 26. And I am doing actually pretty good on time, so I'll read it. So he asked his father, he asked his father, how long has he been, has this been happening to him? This is a man come to Jesus, his disciples couldn't cast it out and all this other things. Just give you a little backdrop. And he said, from childhood, 
And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. This is a father talking about his son. And having a son, this, this scripture takes on a whole other dynamic. The father's in desperation. This is my son. And this demon is trying to take his life. Anybody desperate here? He said, but if you can do anything, he's talking to the Lord. Because remember, the disciples just tried. He said, but if you can do anything, have compassion. Have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked. Oh, oh. This got all jacked up. He said, Lord, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. The father cried out. Sorry, I lost my place. It got all jacked up. The father cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. Like, Lord, I, I believe, I got some. I got some belief. But man, I got some unbelief too. So, this is how you get unstuck. Because the reality is, you're going to get stuck. If you're not stuck, it'll happen. Now, how long you stay stuck, that, that just depends. But when you find yourself stuck and you're dealing with the dip of disappointment, First, humble yourself. You got to be honest. You got to confess. Man, I was really hoping for this, Lord. My hope was in this. My hope was in change. It wasn't in you. I got you. And then the second thing is, ask for help help me I'm telling you those four letters help it's one of the most powerful prayers that you will ever pray help Lord help me I need you I need you to change my heart take my desires Lord help me be my shepherd Help me to see that you're my shepherd. Help me to see that you're my stronghold, that you're my refuge. Because I was looking at these other things to be savior. I was looking at these other things to be my refuge. So take my heart. Help me to see it's you. So we're going to pray. And I'm going to pray for two people. And yeah, I'm going to do this. So if you're dealing with a disappointment right now, and you can be honest and say, you know what? Man, I'm disappointed. God, I, I thought this was going to happen. I thought you were going to do this. And if I'm honest, I'm disappointed. Where's Jane? Thank you for your honesty. Thank you. I'm dealing, I'm dealing with the dip right now. 
The second, second person I'm going to pray for is you've been disappointed with God and you, you haven't really even been walking with him. Or maybe you've never been walking with God and you're seeing today your need for this hope. This hope that doesn't disappoint. And when you hear about the love of God being poured out in the hearts by the Holy Spirit, that you're like, man, I could, I really want that. I, I could use some love right now because, man, I, I feel so alone. And you want to give your life to the Lord. Raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So we're going to pray for the first, uh, actually, we're going to pray for the second group of people that are just coming to the Lord. And then I'm going to pray over us collectively as the, the worship team plays. So let's, let's pray this together as a house, uh, a prayer of repentance coming to the Lord. Father, thank you. Thank you for sending your son. Thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. I make you the Lord of my life. I make you my savior. I give my life to you. Holy Spirit, fill me. Help me. Help me to surrender. Help me to do all that the Father is leading me to do. I'm coming home. I belong to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let's give a, a round of applause. Praise God. One of the areas of favor that we believe God is giving us is a harvest of souls. And so the next group, I'm not going to pray for you. We're going to worship. And I believe the Holy Spirit is going to minister to you on how he's, he's going to touch that disappointment. He's going to touch that, heart, that, that place. He's going to bring your heart back into alignment. So as the, worship play, as the worship team sings, this is how you step into alignment. You worship. You worship. In the midst of your disappointment, you worship. Let's worship.
places. We love you. We won't see you next week, but we'll see you in the new year. Merry Christmas. Love you so much.